Hey, my name is Dr. Sean Hall. I'm the CEO of MedLab Clinical in Australia. And if you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's episode. It's great to have you with me again today. And I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Dr. Sean Hall. And Sean is the CEO and founder of MedLab, an Australian-based company with a presence in the United States and the United Kingdom. As Sean sees it, he excels by understanding both the problem and the solution. And he is the largest shareholder in MedLab and put up all the seed capital to launch the business. He's co-authored multiple patents and publications. And he has a deep personal connection to cancer, which led him to found MedLab. Sean? A massive welcome to you. Dennis, thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Hey, whereabouts are you in the world today? Right here, right now. I'm in Southern California. And uh, with a bit of luck, I get to go home at the end of this week. And home is Australia, I understand? Sydney, Australia. Yeah, cool. Yeah, as we've been just talking pre to recording that uh, we are neighbours. And and so it's very good. So, Sean, MedLab, we'll get you to talk a little bit about that as well. But tell us a little bit more about your background. I was sort of born into the healthcare industry. My father, when he was a younger lad, had a bout of cancer and went through the traditional route. And he survived it, which was obviously very good. But it got him on a global tour to look at other therapies. Back, you know, in the 1950s, 1960s, cancer was very much a, a very horrible surgical response. And to that, he met some uh, wonderful people who became extended family to me as I grew up, took obviously a very active role in my life, kept pushing me down uh, that medical aspect. And so today I've had experience in what we would call consumer life sciences. So that might be vitamins, minerals, dietary, lifestyle, that sort of thing, because that plays a role, especially in oncology but also in the more ethical, more orthodox approach, being the pharma world as we know it now. So long road to get to where I am, but I'm the type of person you bring in to take an idea and make it tactile and tangible. And I thrive in that. I thrive in building agile leadership teams uh, to help do that because you've got to bear in mind for the first few years, all you're doing is you're selling a vision. But at the end of the day, our hope is that we deliver something that is, is real world that has a unique patient benefit that makes a difference. Mm. 
Yeah, and you know, when you talk about where I'm selling a vision all the time, because I think for a lot of our listeners, they're leaders at different levels within an organization or their own businesses and so forth. The importance of selling the vision, because A, how important is that? And B, not everyone's going to buy into your vision. So what do you do mm. when they don't buy into it? So especially in the early days, you've got to have a bit of a thick skin. You're going to get a few knocks. You're going to get people that are going to call that BS radar on you, right? And you're going to find people that don't want to deep dive it and they're going to have their own opinions. But at the end of the day, providing you're authentic, you believe in what you're doing, you're not overstepping your bounds because you find a lot of leaders and we just had a point in case go through the US courts uh, recently where a wonderful business leader oversold herself got herself in hot water, right? Okay, you know where I'm going, right? You don't want to create that kind of nexus. So it doesn't matter the team you put together, they need to understand why and how. And there is no direct path on the how. It is always going to throw curveballs at you and you have to be agile enough that you can move and bend with it. But at the end of the day, as I refer to them, my lieutenants do a lot of the heavy lifting, but it's understanding that vision, having people buy into that vision. And when you find people that turn around and go, no way, it's just not going to happen. That's all a bit of BS. You just got to take it as it comes and, and basically move on. Mm. In other words, don't give up. Keep going. Give up. But I think I, I like what you're saying about being authentic as well, because if you're authentic and real in the actual setting the vision and getting people to buy into it, it's really important. And I think communication and the way that you communicate with people would be important for people to buy into it so they can understand it. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, there's certainly a lot of over-communicating in what you do. Right? And there'll be people that really do push that boundaries. But at some point, especially if you're going to the investor community, because you know you need money to run your project, over-communication can make you feel stale. So you have to balance that element of progression that is meaningful for your company, it's meaningful for the shareholder, shows that you are moving down the path and you're delivering what you're saying you're going to deliver. Uh, and at the end of the day, whilst we have big teams, we have small teams, the message is pretty similar through both. Why are we doing it? How are we getting there? What problems are we having? How do we overcome them? And we work through that. There is a lot of discussion. But I can't help but say I've heard lots of people stand and sell their vision. At the end of the day, culturally, if your team's not aligned and culturally, if your team hasn't bought in, and it all starts with you, right? And you aren't authentic behind the cause. That reason can't be felt, right? You can't make your words into something a lot more tactile you're just not going to be able to sell it down the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. I think the other thing I heard what you're saying there is about that you're just making sure that the messaging is the same as you go through as a foundation. You may adjust depending on who you're talking to, but it has to be the same. And I think that's a big trap for a lot of people because they will tell somebody one thing and then they'll tell someone else another thing. And it's, it's almost like those who lie, it's just hard work to keep lying. It's just hard. And so... And you get found out at the end of the day, right? My, my old man... Yeah, my old man has a saying, the hen always comes home to roost. Yes. And uh, he's still a person that can take me back to school on multiple levels. I just don't tell him that or give him that credence. <laughs> but he's, he's quite right. You know, especially in biotech, which is where we play, things catch up with you awful quick. Mm, 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 very much so. Okay, so Sean, how did you get into leadership? 
Yeah, that's probably by default, to tell you the truth. I'd love to sit here and say that there was some strategic tactile pathway that got me into it, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that would be a lie. I've always enjoyed trying to find solutions to problems. Pardon me. And it doesn't really matter what that solution is. The same type of thing comes up. You have a vision, your vision's not tactile, and you need to start motivating teams. And so I jumped into leadership because whether we were starting a new vitamin company that relied on doctors to prescribe it, which was disruptive, it was new. We needed a team to invoke a different type of consumer behavior, a different type of medical behavior, and then, you know, build the marketplace from it. To here we are now where we're envisaging new analgesic drugs for oncology and we're centering around things that yesterday had a stigma about them, right? But we have to develop the research and develop the rationale. So leadership has just been part of what we've had to do or what I've had to do. And you live and learn by your mistakes and you do make mistakes as you go through. So once we recognized or once I recognized that I was in an ever-changing place, I was playing in new evolving markets. I went out and I did courses like most people and I've had some great professors and I've had some ones that are not so great. Had to do a lot of reading. I've obviously in my time expanded my network because there's people out there who have taught me a few things that um, I wish I learnt a long time ago. But leadership now for me is more about know what you know, know what you don't know, trial it and improve it. It's not perfect. It's not about perfection, but it's about moving the needle in meaningful matters. So as I look back over my career, I've had a few fails. I've had a lot of successes, but leadership was something I was thrusted into. Mm. Yeah, interesting how it is by a default, thrust it into it, but also keep going. And, and when you said that you, you had to go out and do some, you know, some, some training or some learning, some development, things like that, I think that's very important for a lot of listeners to understand that we, we got to keep learning, we got to keep going, we got to keep growing. And over time, things do change or we go off to do different things. But it's not just, uh, oh, here, I'll take a red pill or a blue pill, excuse the pun, uh, coming yep. from a, a, a vitamin company and, and you know, uh, medical side of things. But, you know, it's not that now you're the leader. It, it does take work. It does. It takes a lot of work. Mm, it does. I, yeah. I can remember the first time I went into a leadership program and a very good one at an Ivy school here in the US. I can remember on day one, I walked in thinking, I'm here. I've made it. I'm one of 20 people. I'm obviously, you know, top stuff. And it took me about five, 10 minutes to realize that that was just so not true. It wasn't funny, right? But uh, the program itself and the time that you put into it, one of the things that does challenge you is is where your weaknesses are. And we all have them, right? But I think the definition between a good leader and a leader is a good leader recognizes where their weaknesses are. As one of the professors said to me, Sean, you don't need to be the smartest person in the room, but damn straight, you need to know who that person is when it's crunch time. Oh, nice. Love it. That's a good one. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is that if you you thought you might have been one of the smartest ones, you arrive and the next minute, five, ten minutes, you, didn't, you found it, you're not. But that's the beautiful thing about it is that you're in a place where you're going to be stretched, challenged, and, and you'll grow because you've got the right people around you to, to help you take you to another level, which is, which is really good. Now, the question I've got for you, this person can be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Yeah, I've, I've actually thought long about this because I've heard you ask this question to other interviewees. And my best example is I don't have one person. I'm a lover of history. 
and there are some great lessons in history. But I think that there are different people that can teach us different things, you know. And before, you know, I was thinking I got a chance to meet Jack Welch, you know, the former GE CEO and all those books, and he really inspired, but he's not the one person. Through school, I had to learn my art of war, right? But he's not the one person. I think when you look at your career in leadership, it's important to identify who can teach you certain lessons. And I went to a cadet school, right? So everything was a bit formal, you know, brass and polished by the numbers. And some of generals that you study, whether they are ancient or modern history, has adaptation to lessons in leadership, right? My school was also a Catholic school, so I was always fascinated, believe it or not, by the Bible. And I'm not a strict religious person, but from a leadership perspective, here is a book that has suffered the ages and the torments of man, but has still convinced a mass population into an esoteric deity that we should succumb to laws, principles, and so forth. So I think virtues of leadership and examples of leadership can be found in everyday life from early schooling through to, I don't know, something more formal that you do in your life. There's there's not one person, but I, I know that Jack got me to look at the business differently. I know some of my professors from back in the days in Boston have got me to look at myself differently, right? But the one thing I take away, and it was really Michael Potter uh, uh, from school some time back now, was if you want to lead, people need to believe in you. When they stop believing in you is when they stop following. And so that being authentic, as in being an authentic leader, probably is the most deepest and most meaningful learning I have had through my entire career. Nice, nice. Now, if I was to say to you, one of those generals or Jesus or somebody you were sitting on on a park bench with having a coffee, what would be one question you want to ask them? It would be very interesting, especially someone from a more ancient history, to have them look at me, to have them look at the company I've adapted today. And in their eyes, without all this modern technology that we use to enhance life, ask them a question, what am I doing wrong? Oh, very, very good. Right? Yeah, that'd be cool. Huh? Do you know, it's that old paradigm. Sometimes a fresh set of eyes yes. can give a very honest outcome. And the problem we have, especially look at it this way, from what we've spoken about, we're talking about a repetitiveness of selling a message and authentic. It's not uncommon from a behavioral aspect for us to get caught up in our own narrative. And it's sometimes that fresh set of eyes. And you know, in my case, it might be my wife look at me going, what the hell are you saying? What are you <laughs> that is that stop, that check that you need to do. And that can be more valuable than anything else. Yep, I, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, when I used to travel the world and doing a lot of these events, and even if I did the events today because of the pandemic, we're not being able to travel much, but doing events, you know, when I do these events, some of them could be one day, two days, three days, depending on what it is, but mm. I'm on a high. And then mm-hmm. I used to travel back to New Zealand from overseas and so forth and come home. But then the family would actually bring me back to reality and do that little bit of a check-in with me just to say, hey, what's going on here? And you're so right. I think sometimes we do get up caught up, caught up in our own narrative about things. And if you can get different perspectives, 
It is the best thing you can do because really when you're out there doing things and whether it's in a, medica- a medical industry or whatever it is and you're out there selling something or you're trying to sell the vision, if you're stuck in your own narrative, then you, you're probably hitting, missing the mark or you're not listening to what the market's wanting or what your team might be wanting. And um, it's, it's a big thing for you to do. So I'm glad you, you talked about that. Yeah, well, let's just phrase that as a reality check. And there's probably more meaning in those two words yeah. than we realize. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Now, the show's called Leadership is Changing. When I say that title or that statement, what, what does that mean for you? Well, I think we're right now in probably the best example of, of, of what that statement means. From a world perspective, we've gone through near two years of COVID. And I don't want to turn this into a COVID conversation, but if you follow news, it's doom, gloom, death and despair everywhere, right? Let's just call it what it is. And when we're looking at staff, we've been protective about staff. We've been concerned about their welfare, right? And COVID has brought in a lot of challenges from business, from from supply chain, R&D projects getting blown out and so forth. A number of companies decided to, you know, to hanker down and weather the storm. It doesn't matter whatever. But where we are right now, I think we're all coming to the realisation that whatever COVID is, it's here and it's going to stay. And as leaders, we need to evolve. We need to evolve our staff. And as businesses, we need to move ahead with this new macro hanging over us. So here at MedLab, part of our step change is surviving with COVID, knowing that we could wake up tomorrow and there could be restrictions. Maybe we can travel, maybe we can't. But the idea is to park that off and say, that's no longer an excuse. So how do we get that agility back into the company? And how do we forge ahead doing what we are entrusted to do? So when I, when I look at leadership changing, we are actually going through an evolution in MedLab now where we're redoing everyone's KPIs. And the KPIs are about aggressively stepping forward in light. And it doesn't matter what the world throws at us. We go back to a mantra that we had pre-COVID, which is everything's okay if our house is in order. Right. So programs are on path. We're developing our staff and uh, we are all working as one. From our perspective, to survive through COVID, MedLab had to divide into certain silos just to get jobs done. It's now time to kick out the silos. Right. So I'm leading a step change in the organization that's a lot more aggressive. We just had up into Christmas global patents get approved for a wonderful delivery platform we have. So I'm on the commercial teams. Doesn't matter. You can travel. You can't travel. Europe's opened. US is opened. It's closed the next day. You need to commercialize. Right. And this in part is their belief in me that. I'm going to do the right thing by them. I'm not going to expose them to undue risk. There's that health side, physical and mental. But at the same time, it's tuning that company up to accelerate in discussions it's had, how it treats those discussions and moving forward. And it's a big sell process. Yesterday for four and a half hours, I was on video conference back to Sydney addressing team members at a one-to-one interval. The younger guys have a little bit more concern. The older guys have different concern. But it was important at that stage to get down to a you and me conversation, right, on how we move it forward. So the cell position is at this point really big. And that cell position doesn't work unless your staff believe in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I, I like what you say. Everything is okay if our house is in order. Is that what, that's the right way of saying it? Yeah. It, it is a mantra that we have. And I think it's the same thing that I think for a lot of our listeners, it's their organizations, their businesses, they should be thinking about that. But also them personally, they should be thinking about them 
that everything's going to be okay if their house is in order. In other words, uh, and I call the house probably for the individuals between the areas, right? Their attitude, their mindset, and so forth. If everything's fine there, that's good. Health-wise, if they're physically, mentally, and emotionally fit, that's good too. Because, sure, and I've seen a lot of people over the last sort of sort of six months, even year, are really, really tired. And it's a lot of it's been the lockdown. But I think a lot of it hasn't been the fact that we've been stuck at home only. It's been that doom and gloom and that fear mm-hmm. that's been pushed into a lot of people. And all I can say to, to listeners is stop watching the news. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably one of the best things I have done, right? And so is not watching the news, but also on my social media feeds, I've stopped all news feeds, I've, I mean, for months or even over a year. And it's been the best thing I've done. And I think if it's it's really important to make sure that we've got the right things going in between our ears for us to help us as well. That's right. We've got to get back to positivity. Yeah. And you're not going to get it if you follow Instagram and follow, you know, the nightly news. Yes. And there's a lot of positive things that companies do, both in staff development, culturally, and in products and services they promote. So we go back to why are we here? And again, there's this reality check that clocks back in. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Now we've we've talked about things because there's a, it's a fast paced, ever changing world. One thing that I one thing I say in my introduction or close as well is that I talk about that change. There's one thing that is constant in the world, and it's called change. And change is just mm-hmm. constantly happening. The other thing too is that leaders are running from email to email, meeting to meeting, and many of them are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of being left behind. And we've seen lots of organizations not change, Kodaks and others as well, over the years. They didn't change quick enough, and they did get left behind. Now, we're in this fast-paced, ever-changing world. What makes a leader successful today in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? Yeah, that's a real tough question. I can Mm. fall trap to a couple of hundred emails a day and from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. back-to-back meetings. But I'm going to be honest with you, it's not productive. Right. You know, you can sit there and go, oh, my God, you know, I've done 13 meetings here. I've spoke to them, but it's not productive. I know that minimum one day a week, I can't go into the office. I need that headspace where I'm out of the weeds and I'm thinking about the business. We have a tendency. And again, COVID drove people into this to live on phones, to live on Teams or Zoom or whatever it is you want to call it. We need to to break away from that. Right. I'm at the point that I don't let the mobile phone anywhere into the bedroom because global company, it goes 24 seven, you know, and I can feel this undue desire to go, Oh my God, my phone's ringing. I've got to go get it. You know, it's okay. Letting it go to voicemail. Right. And I've got to be honest, I have a really good EA and she knows my days are dynamic. I can message her at six 30 in the morning saying undo the day. I've got to go work on this. Right. And my team is getting used to it, but I think, Technology has heightened expectations on response. It's too easy to feed into that. You've got to take a breather. You've got to stop. You've got to think. And depending on what your job function is within the organization, you need time to think. And the only way to do that is to park the technology away and really review the business in the manner you're intended to do it. Absolutely. And I think you're so right. I mean, there's a lot of people who I work with who don't take time out to think. And it's actually one of the biggest things that they can do for themselves and their organizations if they do take time out to think. Because when they think, then they can be more proactive. When they're actually doing the other stuff you're talking about, that's where they're very reactive. And it's just not the right thing to be doing. And it's quite interesting. Yeah. Sean, we've been talking about from the, through the lens about leadership and from a leader's perspective. Let's change gear and and talk about through the lens of an employee. In your eyes, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I'm thinking again of a couple of distinct groups of people. We've got a younger 
group of staff members and some of them are are hungry and when i say hungry they're hungry to learn they're hungry to prove themselves they're hungry for succession and that's a two-edged sword you want that right but you've got to focus on them and you've got to control that because they can go off the reservation in a moment's notice right and in our world you don't want to tone it back too much you just want to keep them with laser focus on what they're meant to do but it's an exciting proposition for them and you know we put a lot of time and energy in these people and i have to commend my hr people because they're very frontline in that right we have other employees that i don't like to say it but they're there for nine to five right i can push them for you know report submission at nine o'clock at night and we know who they are and providing they're doing their job we're okay so i think employees have different expectations one of the things that we're seeing now is more requests for remote work more requests for isolation from the rest of the staff body right which brings back in these silos which is something we're madly trying to get out of so yeah i think you've got to tame it i read what was an article in the australian two, three days ago now saying the mass resignation. And the first part of the article was concentrating on how a thousand healthcare workers in New South Wales were stood down because they weren't vaccinated and how some major firm has sort of come out and warned everyone that it's now really an employee's market and they're going to demand a lot of things uh, moving forward. I think caring for employees is, is very good, but you can go too far and I'll probably get shot for saying that. I would prefer to concentrate more on positivity within the organization than happiness because happiness intonates self. I am happy, so I am good. Where positivity is more of a universal concept that says I am working very well with the organization or with my team. We're getting the outcomes. Everything is really good. And I think there's going to be a change there. I'm actually forecasting over the next two years that there's going to be times between the employer and the employee where there's a little bit of brouhaha because the expectations now are are not aligned. And again, we're back into media that seems to be perpetuating that you can get a better job, you can work from home, right? You can get more benefits, you can get this, you can get that. But there is a true cost to business. And I think sometimes employees are, are disconnected from what that looks like. And, and I think for most businesses that have relied on, especially in Australia, on government handouts over the past couple of years, again, I go back to my father's comment, the hen has to come home to roost. There has to be some changes and they'll be fairly significant. So, you know, if employees aren't careful, they might force employers to outsource certain things where previously they weren't looking at it. So the role of human resources in building that collaborative approach between the corporate and the employee, I think, becomes more and more important as we step into 2022. Yeah, very good. Very good. And, I, and like, you know, when you said before about the hungry to learn and get on with things is, is, is really important. And I understand what you're saying about, you know, sometimes they just need to focus on certain areas. But I also see that a lot of them don't have strong leadership around them. And if they don't have strong leadership, like you just talked about, how you would actually take them and help them understand where they needed to go and so forth, that's great. But for those who don't have it, they just tend to vote with their feet and leave. And that adds to the, the mass or the great resignation scenario as well. And I think a lot of it sometimes is there's this word words or marketing words or buzzwords out there called the great resignation, the mass resignation and things like that. But is it really like that? Well, yes, because I've seen a lot of people really that I know of who've gone and got 30% pay increases, 40% pay increases, plus a whole lot of other benefits. But I've always asked the question, is the grass greener on the other side? And and I'm not sure it always is, right? And so I've always got to ask people, what's your bigger picture? The why? Where are you going? What are you wanting to do? Because if you don't understand that, it doesn't matter where you go. 
you're probably not going to be happy. So that brings me to this. When we hire, doesn't matter where, because I've got staff in the US and staff in the UK as well. We try hire from a cultural aspect. I mean, we can, we can teach all the soft skills. That's, that's never the issue. But identifying why that person should be with us and why we should be with that person is akin to a marriage, right? And failure in marriage is always a lot more expensive than, than dating, right? <laughs> I, I think it's a philosophy we have to take into employee recruitment and sustainability as we move forward. Yeah, cool. So you've just given us a little bit of a prediction or forecasting in that, but I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out here and, and ask you this last question, which is, where do you see leadership being in five years? I think it's going to be more important than ever. We've seen, we've seen a lot of technologies adopted early in our society that are starting to fail. Right? Whether it is rideshare that has uh, brought in media headlines of people getting raped or drug muling in cars, I mean, everything is a ride. We, how do I put this? We have this innate desire to try and move quicker. Sometimes moving quick is not the best outcome for what we need to do. And if it's an innate in, a desire to adopt a technology to move us quicker, then it's a leader that's going to pull us back and say, can we stop and think about this for two seconds? Right? We've just rushed out. Real-world example, several drugs to hammer down COVID. And the optics here and now is, mm, damn, maybe they weren't good enough. Let's keep going, right? We need good leaders to question why we do things and help us form solid foundations to move forward, right? I look at, you know, my parents way back when they were younger and they had working careers and they didn't have mobile phones or email. They worked hard. You could probably argue they worked smarter. Things are a little bit slower, so you had a, a more of a steady outcome on what was performed. I remember my grandfather when he was around going, you know, and he was a he was a brickie, right? He goes, when we built houses, you know, it was double brick and it was glazed and all that. And now we're putting up jip rock with tin frames, right? So I think good leaders are going to provide solid foundations for sustainable businesses moving forward. I think when it comes to equity markets, leaders, their opinions, good or bad, is really going to move the needle on those markets. I think in healthcare and the global population has just got a taste of pharma R&D. So I think good leadership, and it shouldn't be from a politician, it shouldn't be from an academic, it probably should be from a physician, is going to be akin when it comes to matters of human health or God help us another pandemic that we're not ready for. So, and it's something that I think schools should invest a lot more in. People come out with MBAs, but it doesn't mean they can lead a team. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And just because you've got the badge doesn't mean that you have the reputation or the experience behind it. It, it does take time uh, for sure. Sean, fascinating talking to with you today. Thank you for joining us on today's show. Hey, if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? If they've got pen and paper, easiest thing is just email me, Sean, S-E-A-N underscore Hall, H-A-L-L, at medlab, M-E-D-L-A-B dot co, C-O. And just put in the subject that you heard me on Dennis's show and I will reply. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. And what we'll do is put, we'll put that your email, if you're okay with that, into the show notes and then people can actually uh, access that. But once again, thank you for joining me on the show today. It was, it was wonderful. Pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you. Listeners, hey, if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, come along to those different communities. We would love to see you there. Yeah, and just sharing your experiences and so forth with in the relation to Leadership is Changing. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. 
It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 